We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was a good week for the Wayland Corp. Not so great, such a great week for the Erickson interests. We break down week two coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Nick Whalen. Uh, it has been a busy, busy, turbulent week too, and a uh, lot to talk about here. Uh, Nick, uh, busy time. How was your weekend uh, personally before we start getting into your professional rooting interests? Fantastic weekend overall. Had a, a, a wedding with some college friends in Madison nice. on Friday. So, you know, got a, a large swath of our group of friends from college, you know, made the pilgrimage. Back to Madison for that. Had a great time on Friday. Watched the Badgers uh, destroy what I, I think was maybe the worst FBS team I've ever seen in my life uh, on Saturday. New Mexico State uh, really put up no fight whatsoever. Not a, a ton of takeaways from that one. But a nice bounce back for Wisconsin, which, of course, lost to Washington State last week. And then we saw what I think was maybe the most complete Jaguars game in like four years yesterday. Yeah. I could not believe what I saw. Obviously, Indianapolis uh, down a couple receivers, uh, was completely overmatched. And the Jags just, you know, hit them with an avalanche in that game, you know, 24 nothing. They've completely owned the Colts over the last few years. They've won eight in a row over Indianapolis now uh, at Jacksonville. And then, uh, you know, my, my more hometown team, the, the Green Bay Packers, I think took care of business last night. It wasn't flashy. I think it went about like most Packers fans expected. They did cover that large 10-point spread, but uh, still some pretty significant concerns, I think, about that Green Bay offense. But Man, I know we're going to talk Bengals at some point. I told you on this show uh, you know, exactly a week ago that I felt better about the Bengals coming off of their week one loss to Pittsburgh just based on how well they were able to move the ball. We saw a completely different Bengals offense uh, against Dallas yesterday. So my condolences. I, I cannot believe that the Bengals are 0-2. This is not what I expected. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Super Bowl hangover is real. Um, I guess so. But it's more than that, too. Uh, I, You know, it's – they. It's one thing to say you fixed the offensive line, and I thought they had, uh, but that's by name only. Like, you know, Lyle Collins was not an improvement. He he no. absolutely was not an improvement. He was getting beat. Now, Grant Michael Park Micah Parsons makes a lot of people look bad, but it wasn't just mere look bad. It was like in a shell of itself, calling stupid plays because of the fear yeah. of Micah Parsons. 
well, th that whole let's not block and play that, that let's get that one out of the playbook there. But then it's like yeah. third and 14 and they're throwing immediate check downs to Samaj P. Ryan. Some, mm -hmm. Who's Samaj P. Ryan? Yeah, I got to get your playmakers involved. Uh, and then, you know, you have this stud field goal kicker and you're punting from like the Dallas 42. I mean, I, I just so get so angry thinking about this game. Um, it turns out those three points could have been helpful too, but as it turns out, uh, so yeah, it's it's really bad. Um, I, I, I'm I'm really not uh, not not a happy camper right now, but uh, so it goes. You know, the, the season waits for no one. The good news is the Bengals are only one game out. Uh, the Ravens lost, the Browns lost, and the Steelers lost. So it's not canceling yet. Uh, but man, it's not going to get easy either. No, no, it's not. I mean, I think especially this one hurts because of the Cooper Rush situation. You know, we, we saw the spread swing, like, I think it was like nine points by the end of it in favor of Cincinnati uh, after this one opened uh, as Dallas being the slight favorites back in May. Uh, so you, I, I think, you know, for most Bengals fans, I, I think you're, you're a little more grounded uh, than a lot of fans, but I think most people are like, all right, easy win. Dallas looked terrible with Dak Prescott last week. They're going to be even worse with Cooper Rush. And for one, Cooper Rush looked pretty good. You know, I mean, he's kind of kind of doing some glorified game management, uh, but, you know, got up over 230 yards. I mean, had mm -hmm. significantly more yards than Joe Burrow in this game. And, and more importantly, Dallas was able to protect Cooper Rush. You know, not, not that he, he needed all this time to sit back there and throw it deep, but six sacks for Joe Burrow after having seven sacks last year. He, 13 sacks through two weeks. That is easily the most of any quarterback in the league. And watching that game, I mean, there could have been more. I mean, how many times – is Joe Burrow kind of sitting back there? He gets flushed, and all of a sudden he's running, he's diving, he's sliding. Like not yep. really things that you want. Your your star quarterback, who's already had some injury issues early in his career, you don't want him feeling like he has to do that. So I mean, he's it, got it happy sacks. feet right now. It, it very easily could have been more than six sacks. Is the point? And you know, Cincinnati, they they won the the time of possession battle. It, it kind of didn't really feel like it. They just had some long drives that you know the, there was a nineteen play drive late in the game that finally resulted in a touchdown, but. I, this is not the result that I expected. I, I, you know, Dallas being able to score a little bit, that that's not shocking to me. Um, you know, maybe they were due for a bounce back after week one, but I, I thought this is a game that Cincinnati could put up 30 plus pretty easily. And, you know, some credit goes to Dallas, of course, for that defense and that pass rush. But um, you know, I, I just couldn't believe, you know, that we, we saw Jamar Chase only have five catches and T Higgins is active for this game. And he did have the only touchdown, but it just, it just was not the, the Bengals offense that I was expecting to see. And it, it looked a lot different from the unit that again, was unable to close out drives last week, but was still moving the ball at will on Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I don't know about at will um, because they, they got smashed in the first half of that one too. They moved the ball late. Uh, but again, it was just like anytime they threw, they had to, you know, teams are taking away the, the downfield plays. I mean, it's Burrow is getting the Mahomes treatment this year where he's facing yeah. a lot of two deep safeties and teams are the pass rush is getting home. And the problem is the other teams, other te you know, the Cowboys don't have to blitz that much to get to them. That's the real problem. You can, if you can cover with seven and rush with four and get to them, that's a real problem. And you keep the, the deep plays aren't going to be open that much. Uh, Chase, you know, the, the crossing patterns will be there every once in a while, but teams are, are wise to that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think all's dead yet, but man, they got to fix that line. They got and last week it was the left side. It was Jonah Williams. It was the rookie, uh, Cord uh, Cordell Vincent version. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get the name right next time we talk about him. But uh, you know, not a first round rookie. Not like this highly touted guy. He won the battle though for the left guard spot. To this week, it was 
the right tackle, Lyle Collins, getting just owned. And there's pressure up the middle a lot, too. Um, I think the only player that's not getting crushed right now is the center. Um, and you know, that that's really a problem. So yeah, uh, lot, lots of, lots of reason to be concerned here. Mixon got banged up in this one a little bit late too. came back in there, but that's going to be something to watch in practice on Wednesday. Uh, you know, they, they pathologically will not use Chris Evans. Okay. Pathologically is probably a strong term for it there, but, uh, you know, especially again, this is the me sitting in my chair thinking that Evans has this upside and needs to be uh, needs to get some work. Uh, you know, he didn't get a single offensive snap in the first week. Uh, it's pretty clear to the Bengals. P. Ryan is the backup and the top backup. Hey, Chris Evans, achievement unlocked, got in an offensive snap last week. I think that was probably after Mixon was banged up a little bit there, but uh, mm-hmm. They, they need, I mean, they, and who knows, Evans might not be able to block a lick. And if he can't, then he can't be in there. I know even Mixon struggled with a little blitz pickup a little bit when he was in. And that's why Mixon comes out on third down too, by the way. Um, and I like to gnash my teeth and say, why is P Ryan in there? Well, if P Ryan can block a little bit better than Mixon, well, then so be it. But that that's the way it goes. Uh, yeah, it, there wasn't a whole lot of fun, fun stuff to talk about. The Bengals, they, they got their first, they forced their first tur- turnover in the second half on that fumble. Uh, they missed a couple of chances on picks on that final drive. Dallas got a little lucky. There's a tip ball that went in the direction mm-hmm. of a receiver after that. And they got a first down after that got in the field goal position. Uh, it wasn't the, the play that got him in the field goal position it was the play before that. I think it was the penultimate play. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, all around, but you know, when you need to rely on tip ball luck at the end of the game against a team, not starting their starting quarterback. I mean, that that's your sign that, Hey, that you need to do better. It was just a it was a jarring departure from last week. And and maybe you're right to say, you know, they weren't moving the ball at will against Pittsburgh, but it was, you know, turnover after ball. turnover yeah. after turnover. And they're consistently able to at least, you know, get over midfield or, or threaten for for a field goal. And, you know, so many of those drives ended in fluky plays in week one. But you just got the sense that especially, you know, by the time we got to the second half, like Joe Burrow and, and the rest of that offense, it just did. It looked like they knew that they, whatever they were running on third and nine, it just wasn't going to work, you know. And you yeah. know, whether it ended in a sack or, like you said, these you know repeated checkdowns, you know, you need nine yards, you're throwing to Jamar Chase for four yards. Um, it just looked like the the plays were doomed before they even ran them. So it was right. a, a weird, weird day for Cincinnati. Everything was difficult, you know. Even you know every little three yard gain felt like you know you're you're just it took a, a total team effort just to generate a three yard gain. And, you know, we, we kind of saw a similar situation for Joe Mixon, a relatively inefficient day uh, in week one against Pittsburgh. He goes 19 for 57 uh, with a long of only 10 in this game against Dallas. So I'm still not out on the Cincy offense. I still think on their best day, they could score with anybody. Uh, you know, the Higgins chase Tyler Boyd trio is, is as good as any top three in the league. It was, it was just really, really jarring to, to see this Dallas defense, uh, handle Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals offense the way that it did. But I think, you know, maybe we just need to give a lot of credit to this Dallas defense. Because I agree they did, with that. They did similar things to Tampa Bay last week. And look, I mean, the Tampa Bay offense has two touchdowns through two weeks. So maybe that's not a, a stellar unit either. But, you know, we saw Dallas's defense kind of keep them in that game when the offense was giving them absolutely nothing in week one. I think that's 100% correct. And uh, yeah, Dallas, their chances, not dead yet to win the division because of the defense. Uh, and because, I mean, we'll see what happens with Philly tonight, but I, Philly's actually the threat too, but I don't think yeah. the Giants are going to run away from it. I know the Giants are 2-0 and now, but, uh, uh, and the Commanders did lose to the Lions. So, you know, that that, that helps them a little bit there too. Uh, yeah, good. It was a good day to be a Cowboys fan for sure. 
Uh, Pollard actually was a little bit more involved for the Cowboys uh, after being kind of very uh, an afterthought in the first game. A lot more involved in the second game here. Yeah, I had, had a big run uh, toward the end of that game to, to help set Dallas up. I thought he was running really, really well. Um, you know, on a, on a day where Ezekiel Elliott just kind of gave you, I think, exactly what we expected from Zeke in a game like this. 15 for 53. Yeah, you know, they kept trying it. There wasn't much there. Uh, yep. But as usual, as has been the case for, what, the last two or three years, you know, you know they, they're going to keep slanting the workload in favor of Zeke uh, for, for reasons unknown. But uh, Tony Pollard consistently looks like the more explosive between the two. Yeah, and, and that's right. You got the touchdown on that one there. Uh, neither were really involved in the passing game. Zeke had two targets. Pollard had, well, Pollard had seven. I take that back. Pollard was, I, I, I looked at the wrong line. Pollard four for 55 with seven targets. That's actually pretty good. Uh, CD lamb, a little bit better. Seven for 75 on 11 targets. You're not going to find too many downfield stuff, but he had a big catch on that drive to get in yep. field position there. Noah Brown was the revelation in this one here. Five for 91. Yeah. Noah Brown quietly, uh, had a, a couple of huge catches, in this game for Dallas and, you know, going back to CD lamb, I feel like this is almost the best case scenario based on how we were talking about CD coming into this week. I mean, as a potential, like, do you even feel good starting him anymore? Yeah. Um, obviously you'd prefer that he get into the end zone, but seven for 75, uh, you know, with, with Cooper rush at quarterback, I think if you had told any CD lamb owner earlier this week, Hey, if you start him, this is what you're getting. I think pretty much everybody would have taken that. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So there, uh, there's a, uh... There's there there's not too much more to unlock from this game. Bengals need to fix their fix their offensive line. Dallas only allowed one sack. That was huge. Uh, those are big things. That that's that's pretty big as well. Let's move on uh, because I'm sick of talking about my Bengals. Let's talk about the most. Uh, two, there's two very big compelling games here right off the top. We'll talk Miami Baltimore first. Uh, Miami, what a comeback! I mean, crazy. 28 points in the fourth quarter. I got to ask you, Nick, are you still a Tua hater? Uh, I, I think I kind of have to be. I, I can't flip-flop uh, that quickly. But, man, I mean, I, I'm writing my, my reactions column right now. I was yep. working on it prior to hopping on here. And, I mean, I, this is pretty easily the defining game of Tua's career, right? I don't even know what would be number two. Six right. touchdowns, huge second half. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of this game was was on red zone, um, you know, as I was watching yesterday. So, I you know, didn't see every single play. But, you know, the, the one thing, I guess, if you, if you want to pick nits with Tua is like a lot of these big plays that he was hitting were just like unbelievable broken coverages by the Ravens. You know, when you have a three touchdown lead late in the game, like the one thing you're, you're preaching to your defense is, hey, don't let the two fastest receivers in the league get behind you. And Kyle Hamilton, the rookie out at Notre Dame, was was lost on a couple of plays. Uh, you know, great throws by Tua. He deserves the credit. But I mean, he's just he's literally just hitting a guy in stride who has 10 yards you know, between him and a defender. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, 469 yards, six touchdowns, did have the two picks early on, uh, mm -hmm. did Tua. But, I mean, this was one that uh, – the other one I assume you're, you're hinting at is the Jets and the Browns. Right. I mean, these are two games that were dead and buried. You know, when, when you're talking about the, you know, the the latter portion of that early window, you start looking ahead to the late window, maybe you stepped away. Uh, you know, I, I, I snuck out and mowed my lawn for a little bit yesterday. Maybe you're making some food. All of a sudden you come back and, and the Ravens, you know, are, are hanging on for dear life and – it just you kind of started to get that avalanche feel where you're like the key play I think for me was the Ravens had that fourth and one on the Miami 40 and, and got stuff there and you just knew like oh boy Miami is absolutely getting a touchdown here and of course they did and you force a quick three and out another quick touchdown for Miami and and we're off and running but I mean to me this was more about 
you know, how, how concerned are you about this Baltimore secondary? Because, you know, right now they, they lead the league in terms of yards and passing yards allowed by a huge margin through two weeks. And part of that is Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times last right. week. Um, so that, that one to me is a little bit of anomaly, but I mean, to basically give up three scoring drives in, in kind of the exact same way against this Dolphins team, when you absolutely need to stop, all you need to do is get one stop and the game's basically over. And the fact that this defense couldn't do it to me, I mean, that is, that's pretty concerning and you know, absolutely. Tua deserves some respect, but he's, he's, this isn't Patrick Mahomes doing this to you. Yeah. Well, there again, offensive line matters. Uh, one sack for Tua. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't really pressure him a ton. Uh, Lamar didn't get sacked at all, by the way. Uh, so you can see, hence 42 38. I mean, this was a Big 12 game, basically. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that that, that happens. Uh, but yeah, as you alluded to, uh, Flacco averaged like five and a half yards per attempt. So the, t- the total yardage thing doesn't bother me as much. Yeah. But yeah, they, I, I think when you got a young secondary to a guy like, you know, uh, you know, Hamilton, he's going to learn. Um, it, it's good. There's going to be some growing pains. You're going up against, you know, the the hardest single receiver to cover, I think. Well, Devontae Adams is probably the hardest single yeah. receiver to cover, maybe Jefferson, but Tyreek Hill's right very high on that list. Um, lots of volume for both Hill and Waddle. You like seeing that if you invest in both of them, thinking, okay, it's going to be one or the other, especially if you had Waddle and you were worried a little bit because Waddle, you know, had one catch before halftime and happened to be on that fourth down play. Um, uh, and it went for the touchdown, but yeah, th- this allays some of those fears, uh, is cause he scored early too. in that one also uh, 19 targets for Jalen yeah. Waddle. Yeah. I mean, 13 for Tyreek Hill. So, you know, 22 uh, of, of two is 50 attempts going to those two guys. I, I think at this point, Hill and Waddle, I, I think you have to consider them the best wide receiver duo in the league. I, I think Chase and Higgins maybe have something to say about that. Uh, I think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams maybe have something to say about that, but in terms of production, I mean, this is, I, I, we'll have to look back on, on football reference or go in stat head and see I mean, right. how many times have multiple receivers had 10 plus catches, 170 plus yards, two plus touchdowns. I would, I would say there's a good chance that that's never happened before. Um, and, you know, these guys were the two top scores in PPR this week, you know, to have that coming on the same team, obviously Tua uh, and Lamar Jackson were the two highest scores at quarterback. Um, I mean, we, this is something that you, you rarely, rarely see and, and likely won't see again this year, but like you said, I think for Waddle, you come away from this game extremely, extremely encouraged to see him getting 19 targets. Um, and like you said, the, the 171 yards. But the other thing, too, Mike Kosicki, kind of bad. He lives. Uh, four for 41, did have a touchdown in this game. He More importantly, he won the snap battle against Durham Smythe, who kind of wiped him in that category last week. So not quite dead yet. I, I still don't feel great about Kosicki. I mean, right. if, if you abandoned him after week one, I, I don't think you're you know, you're going to rue the day that you cut Mike Kosicki. But Still uh, encouraging to see him a lot more involved in this game. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Um, he's the tight end who lives. Uh, even got a touchdown on that one there. Running backs, though. We got an issue with that. Uh, both sides. Let's talk on Miami side yeah. first. FBA says, I just dropped Chase Edmonds for Garrett Wilson. Thoughts? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson is obviously, he showed his upside yesterday. He, he, he needs to be rostered, clearly. Uh, Chase Edmonds, you got to be disappointed. He lost the snap battle to Mostert. Mostert yeah. was getting most of the work early on in this one. Edmonds during the comeback was on the field a little bit more, but still only one catch, only three targets. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was going to be a Chase Edmonds type of fit on this offense. At least yesterday it was more Mostert than uh, Edmonds. Thoughts there? Yeah, from what I've seen so far, Edmonds leads the league in plays that you think are going to go for 25 yards, and then he gets tackled. Like you think he's about to break a tackle, then he goes down for like a six-yard gain. Like he yeah. he absolutely passes the eye test, but he just like can't. He can never break that one last tackle 
not yeah. preventing him from ripping off a big play. He did have a 28 yarder in this game, but that also means that his other four carries basically went nowhere. Uh, I mean, he has, he has like 15 and a half fantasy points through two, two weeks. Yeah, uh, so it's, a real it's pretty concerning on Edmonds. I mean, I, I don't know if he's quite in cut territory for me quite yet. I, I think based on where you're drafting him, you know, you're, you're, there's still reasonable hope here, but yeah, losing the snap count to Raheem Mostert, that is, uh, that is very concerning. Uh, and to, you know, to only have three targets out of the backfield for Edmonds, obviously that's a, a big part of the appeal with him. Um, I, I think if we see that for one more week, yeah, then maybe you have to consider cutting bait. But uh, for me, there's still enough to like with Chase Edmonds that I'm not, uh, I'm not making that drastic of a move quite yet. Uh, I hear you on that. I, I, I think, I think you're right. My uh, on the Baltimore side. Oh, the running backs are just a huge, gigantic mess. Uh, yeah. They, they can't convert short yardage. Uh, they, they, they're not getting carries even they obviously need they need jk dobbins back uh if you take away lamar's carries which you, you don't mm-hmm. take away lamar's carries because lamar went nuts nine for 119 but uh the running backs went uh 16 for one uh, or for 36 for 36 not, 36 not great yards. bob not great well, that was the case last week too against the jets you know i think that's that to me is what's more concerning that this yeah. has happened two weeks in a row and, and zero cap by the way. Also. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think they, I mean, this offense has done a great job hitting, hitting long shot plays through the air. I mean, that's what carried them against the jets in week one. Uh, they hit a 75 yarder to, to Bateman in this one, uh, but Devin Duvernay returned the opening kick. Lamar Jackson had a, almost an 80 yard touchdown run. Like, again, this is one of those just unbelievably unlikely scenarios. Like how often do you have that many big plays? Uh, the Ravens didn't even turn yep. it over. I don't think. Uh, and still ended up losing this game despite, you know, being plus two. No sacks, in the no turnover turnovers. Yeah, like you said, no sacks. Um, yeah, you get the kick return. I mean, just unbelievably unlikely set of events. But, yeah, this running game, I, I think Lamar Jackson is kind of the bandage that, you know, you look at you say, oh, 25 for 155. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, a huge chunk of that came on one run for Lamar. Uh, he looked much better this week than he did last week on the ground. But, yeah, they, they are not clearing any holes for those running backs. And to me – it, it doesn't seem like a situation that just like a slight upgrade in talent is going to solve. Like, I don't think JK Dobbins coming in all of a sudden is going to completely turn around the Ravens right. running game. I, I think they have some, some blocking issues more than some running back talent issues. Yep. No turnovers, only one penalty for five yards for Baltimore. They just couldn't stop the, the dolphins when they needed to get a stop. That's, that's really all this came down to. And they, 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 they need a running back. And I, it, Dobbins had practices all last week. I thought he was going to go. And then like, yep. It, it started coming out of the weekend and he wasn't going to go. And sure enough, he, he was a scratch again. I think that's a big difference for this offense. I really think they need that extra playmaker. Uh, before we move on to the next game, let's uh, get a quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, every Rotowire Fantasy uh, podcast is hosted on the Blue Wire Network, and we thank them for that. Uh, let's move on to we got to let's, let's hit up this question from Drew. Uh, he says, "Would you guys trade uh, DeAndre Swift and Mike Evans for Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, and Christian Kirk?" Uh, mm. Interesting, because you're buying low on Mixon and Higgins, obviously. Here, Swift yeah. is looking great. Evans, you know, until he started brawling, was he? You know, he he did his thing a little bit there. Uh, the Bucks obviously need him with all the receiver carnage that they have right now. Uh, Christian Kirk looks fantastic so far. You know, proving the Jaguars right that yeah. uh, that that he's worth that contract. Uh, what do you think, Nick? I think this is actually a, a really even trade. I, I don't feel too strongly about either side. Um, I mean, you have to keep in mind that for one, Mike Evans could very likely be suspended for at least one game. Um, so, you, you know, regardless of whether he's on your team or you trade him away, he might not be available for week three. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, with, with DeAndre Swift, I think the one thing that's a little concerning as far as the, the touchdown production so far is that Jamal Williams continues to outpace him as the short short yardage back, as the goal line back. We saw him vulture a pair of touchdowns in week one. I mean, so far, Swift has subsisted on some huge plays, whether it's out of the backfield uh, or catching the ball. Uh, and that's just probably not going to be sustainable. Over the course of 17 games, uh, you know, I, I think the workload could still be there, but you can't be relying on him ripping off, you know, these huge runs. He had like a 50-yard play uh, yesterday as well. So, you know, to me, I, I think I would take the three over the two. Um, you know, I would, I would do that trade. I would rather have Mixon, Higgins, and Kirk. Um, you know, I, I think Swift is, as of now, probably the best player in the deal. Sometimes you don't want to be trading away the best guy, but uh, I think the the other three are are all fairly comparable talents, you know, I mean, and if you have to assume a little bit of improvement out of the Bengals offense, I think yes, 100%. this trade to work. So yes, I think absolutely. I, I think I do it too, but a little bit of trepidation there because Swift was on a snap count yesterday. He won't always be in that right. case, but uh, anywho. All right, let's move on to jets and the, the Browns. Uh, this game was salted. This should have been salted away. Uh, I do not blame Nick Chubb for scoring. I think that is no, just no, absolutely I, terrible analysis there to even suggest that yep. when you're going to go up two scores, there's still two minutes left in the game. All you have to Cleveland had a blown coverage. You, yep. you talk about, you know, can't let guys get behind you. I mean, the Browns just had a completely botched coverage, then a botch recovery on an onside yep. kick, like as if they weren't expecting it. Yeah, it, it, it was mind boggling there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I can't blame Nick Chubb at all. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb was a stud in this game. Um, and so was Amari Cooper. They got, they got that fit, fit part fixed there, but Cleveland just, they, they botched this game. Uh, they let Flacco throw all yep. over him for four touchdowns and 307 yards. Flacco has thrown the ball 103 times so far this year. I, you know, I don't think you, you, too many people had that going as, as the dynamic on this team. 
Yeah, leading the league uh, easily through two weeks in attempts. Uh, no other players even uh, to 90 attempts thus far. So, yeah, the Flacco Raid offense uh, alive and well through two weeks. Flacco yeah, you're right. I'm like with that. you on the, the Nick Chubb thing. That is such a revisionist argument. I didn't see anyone saying he should have slid. He should have slid until you know the Jets came all the way back and won yep. the game. I, I'm I'm all for you know punching that in. You're you're going up two scores. Uh, I think what no one else is talking about is that they also missed the extra point after yep. that, which turned out to be pretty huge. I think you make that extra point. Uh, you know that this argument is completely different. But yeah, to me, I I, w- I would comfortably be up. I'd rather be up two scores in that situation, not risk something fluky happening, you know, as you're trying to slide out and, and waste time at the end of the game. Right. Um, and then, you know, all you have to do, like you said, is just not give up an immediate seven yard touchdown to Corey Davis, who was just, you know, no one around him whatsoever. Again, I don't know what, what is going on in that defensive huddle where, you know, what, what is your concern at that point, other than having someone not get behind you? I think that was even more egregious than some of the plays that we saw uh, in the Baltimore game, especially because it's Corey Davis and it's not Tyree kill. It's not Jalen Waddle. Like this isn't exactly a guy who you you're, you're should be burning past your safeties in your corners. So, I mean, that was egregious. But even then, you're like, okay, whatever. We, we give up this fluky touchdown. All we got to do, recover the onside kick, and we're fine. Of course, they don't do that. I agree. They didn't look ready for it. I mean, it was kind of a little bit of one of those, like, misdirection kicks where it looked like they were going to kick it right. And it, it was a great kick uh, by whoever the, the Jets' uh, onside kicker is. But Amari Cooper had a chance to recover that. Didn't really go after it. No, as aggressively no. as as somebody who's on the hands team should, he, he kind of kind of backed off. At it was the last almost second. a business decision on an onside kick for the game, yeah. and, and they they still had to score after that too. By the way, they well, it wasn't like they were immediately in the red zone. They yes. still had to go the length, of, you know, half the field there to get and get a touchdown. Not even settle for a field goal. I mean, yep, 100%. I I used uh, the Browns defense in a lot of places. I'm like, okay, they get Carolina and they get the Jets, yep. Steelers in week three, and another good match in week four questioning these choices joe flacco no no interceptions two sacks uh they did lose a fumble uh but this is not what i paid for i paid for a lot more than this yeah and i mean that that last drive nine plays you know it's not like this was some some other fluky drive like the browns defense just got punked on that last drive they didn't even force a third down until the final touchdown play deep in the red zone to garrett wilson uh and then of course i mean the browns still had time uh, and Jacoby Brissett, you know, throws just an awful, awful interception when it looked like they maybe, you know, they were one more play away from at least getting an attempt at a long field goal and maybe yeah. pulling that off for the second straight week uh, to move to two and zero. But yeah, this was just a complete blown game by the Cleveland Browns. And uh, you know, I, I think you, you look back on this one and it, it, Jacoby Brissett didn't lose him the game. You know, he did have that bad pick late, but at that point, you know, that the game was essentially in hand. He was 22 of 27. You know, Nick Chubb had a great game. It's you don't expect the defense to let you down against the New York Jets. Right. They scored 31 points. I mean, 30 points, excuse me. Yeah, that 30 points should have been sufficient against the Jets, but it wasn't. Anonymous asked, what about Brees Hall? Uh, oops, wrong, wrong one, sorry. Uh, Brees Hall, uh, will he take over the RB1 role? I thought early on it looked like he was on that path. You know, he got a lot of work early, looked good. He was 7 for 50, had a 23-yard run in there. But he got seven carries. Michael Carter had seven carries. Carter got a lot, a lot more targets. Hall only had the one target, one catch for 10 yards. I mean, it's still a straight – it's just a timeshare. Part of the, the thing is, Michael Carter's good. I mean, that, that, it's not like he's yep. – um, you know, he's not Rex Burkhead blocking Damian Pierce. Uh, you know, I think that – to try to use something there. So, yeah, um, I, I, I think that it's going to be a timeshare for a while. I, I think this is going to – I mean, I think Hall is the better back between the two in terms of a runner. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Carter's a better pass catcher. Last week's drop notwithstanding. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really frustrating situation uh, for, for the next several weeks, you know, probably indefinitely, unless one of these guys gets injured. And the other thing, too, is you know, we saw Ty Johnson kind of sneak his way into the mix as well. He was he was on the field a lot uh, late in this game. He, I think he had like six snaps during the the, uh, the last second drive for the Jets. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, had, he played 13 snaps overall. Brees Hall played 20 snaps. So he wasn't all that far behind. Uh, and then Michael Carter was at 42. So even though the carries, you know, ended up being equal between Carter and Hall and, and Ty Johnson, for the record, is essentially a passing down guy, ran 11 routes on his 13 snaps, did not have yeah. a carry. Uh, but Brees Hall, seven carries on 20 snaps. Michael Carter, seven carries on 42 snaps. So some good and some bad there, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. But if you're a Brees Hall owner, not ideal that he's being outsnapped by more than double. Yeah, it's really bad, really bad. Uh, before we move on to the next game, uh, we talked about the the, the Dolphins earlier. Uh, Jay was asking about keep Edmonds or drop him. I'd keep him still. I think there'll yep. be better games, uh, especially in the passing game uh, for him there. That's where I think he really contributes. Uh, let's roll on to the uh, instant classic that was Patriots and the Steelers. Oh, this, I mean, one, this one lived up to the ugliness, 100%. Yes, yes. Uh, when the big highlight of the day is a – Muffed punt, which went off uh, former Patriot uh, Olszewski's uh, helmet uh, and led to the go-ahead touchdown. That's your lead highlight from this game. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, as somebody who uh, at one point in my life, the, the coaches attempted to make me a punt returner in like eighth grade. I, I deeply identified with the ball banging off of Olszewski's face mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, much, much harder to, to catch punts than it looks. I've had that happen to me a number of times. But yeah, that was really – that was a key play. I mean, these teams – they were just remarkably similar teams on offense. I, I think yeah. this is pretty much what we expected, but I mean, that first half especially was just so, so sloppy. And they, they had the long one to, to Aguilar on, on an amazing catch by him uh, yep. that, that really ended up kind of being the decider and, and put new England uh, in control for most of the second half. But even that, I mean, it was, it was a good throw by Mac Jones, but that was a hundred percent Aguilar just going up and getting that. I mean, it, that, that that's kind of a 50, 50 ball. It's not like it was really a great play. It was kind of a, a heave, by Mac Jones, who had already thrown a pick at that point. But I don't have a lot of takeaways here. I mean, I, I was struggling to come up with things for, for my article uh, on this game. And, you know, it was kind of the typical Najee Harris, super inefficient, five for 49 on the ground with a long of eight. 15 for uh, 49. Oh, 15, excuse me, for 49 with a long of yeah. eight. I did think Damian Harris looked really good. Uh, yeah. Luckily, it looks like he it looked like he maybe uh, injured his knee at the end of the game. But turns out, uh, according to him, at least, uh, that knee is fine per his post-game comments. But prior to that, I mean, he he brought this game home single-handedly for New England. Yeah. I remember – do you remember back in training camp when they were talking about Ramondre's getting all the passing down snaps and he, he's working with the first team. And yep. he ran okay. He ran well himself, 9 for 47. But Stevenson only got two targets. Uh, Harris got two targets. I mean, is there, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking maybe Ty Montgomery out. Maybe you'd see someone else jump in. No, that, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, I'm worried if Devontae Parker got shut out completely, uh, two targets and that's it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had that yep. catch and you know, he went six for six for one ten. He only had those six targets. Jacoby Myers is getting all the short passes. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're much happier for a Pats fan right now, obviously not only did you get the win, but you had little things that were working. I mean, the Pittsburgh offense is just a big mess right now. I mean, pound for pound, it might be the worst offense in the league so far. I think there's a lot of, talent on this offense compared to some of the other bad offenses, but in terms of just pure execution, I, there's no team that just looks like it, it's grinding for every single yard more 
than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was at like five yards per attempt in this yep. game, 21 completions for 168. I mean, if you're if you're a Claypool or a Pickens owner, full-on panic mode at this point. Like, it seems like Deontay Johnson is, like, talented enough that he can make a few, like, insane catches per game just to salvage a decent fantasy line. It was kind of the same story for him this week yep. uh, as last week. But, the, the, like, the, the passing offense is so bad that you just – you can barely sustain one receiver. You certainly can't sustain Claypool – and Pickens. I mean, George Pickens has two catches through two weeks. Uh, Chase yeah. Claypool, that he had it. Six targets through two weeks, too. By the way, for Pickens, that's it. Yeah. Three and three. Yeah, it's not. It's not ideal if you're if you're a Pickens owner. I mean, he's obviously like unstartable at this point. Um, it, with Claypool, you know, he salvaged an okay week one because he had those six carries. Like they were just searching for anything to get offense against Cincinnati. Didn't have a single carry in this nope. game. I think we knew that wouldn't be sustainable. Uh, but you know, four for twenty six for him on six targets. Like he's not really startable at all. Uh, yeah, the, the Pittsburgh offense, I mean, with Najee Harris, it, given the level of investment, you're going to be starting him every week. But I, I think it's going to be a grind like this for him week in and week out. I, I saw a good note. Uh, PFF had this. He has 25 carries so far this year, Najee Harris, and he's only gained 10 yards before contact on 25 carries. Ugh. That's not great. That is that's not awful. great. Awful. I mean, that's just no no running holes whatsoever. And I mean, the nice thing is when you're in a, a terrible you know, offense that can't throw the ball downfield, you can rely on, on a bunch of checkdowns, but even those aren't, aren't really going for big yardage. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, not much more to say about that game, except it, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that rewatch. I'll tell you that much. Uh, no. I'm, I might delay on that one there. Maybe I should rip off the Band-Aid and get it done over, done and over with right now. Yeah, that, uh, that might be one to throw in like 2X uh, yeah. if you can speed it up. I, I do have a couple that's... notes on the tight ends. Pat Fryermuth, yep. again, it's ugly, but like he's – He's like weirdly like a beneficiary of the offense being ugly. Right. Uh, you know, he got in the end zone again. I, I think I think it's going to be sustainable. I think he could just have a, kind of a, a year that feels not all that remarkable. And then you look up and he's like the tight end six or seven at the end of the year. I think he's he's the tight end six right now in PPR leagues through two weeks. Uh, my guy, Hunter Henry, who I was just telling everybody to draft at the end of drafts, not looking good. Uh, basically split snaps with Jonu Smith, actually lost the snap battle this week. 39 to 34 only at one target. I still think there's going to be weeks where he could, you know, kind of randomly pop for like four catches and two touchdowns, but yeah, week to week, that one's not looking great either. No, it's not. That's it's just, I, I'm looking for alternatives where I picked up Henry to place Kittle basically. And yeah. now I'm like, well, maybe Kittle will come back and we'll, we'll get to that game, but uh, significant ramifications going on there. Uh, before we move on to our next game, quick note from our friends at bro throw. Have you ever bet on sports with your buddies? Brothrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you bet directly with friends. And Brothrow doesn't take a cut of every bet. No fees, no juice, no middleman. Brothrow is not a sports book. You bet on sports directly against others with no juice or vig, which saves you a ton of money over time. Betting $11 to win 10 stinks. With Brothrow, you bet 10 to win 10. Brothrow offers a hassle-free sign-up process that lets you get in the action in seconds. And you don't have to deposit money on Brothrow either. Instead, you pay other bettors directly. Throw out your first bet and go to brothrow.com slash roto and use code roto. Brothrow is free to sign up. Cut out the middleman and start betting on Brothrow. That's brothrow.com slash roto. I'm here with Nick Whalen. We're talking about uh, all the things that happened in a turbulent week two here. Uh, let's move on from that scintillating Pats and Steelers matchup there. Uh, instead, let's look at, at 
Let's go. Let's do something triumphant. Let's talk about the Jaguars. Uh, 24 nothing win over the Colts. Hey, it's a good thing that the Colts fixed their 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 QB woes and got a good stable veteran in Matt Ryan, huh? Oh boy, yeah, that was uh, one of my calls for my my Week One picks article was that you know it, in so many words I basically said you know Matt Ryan is the opposite of Carson Wentz. All those games that that Carson Wentz kind of threw away by being hmm. reckless, you know, at least at least you know maybe Matt Ryan's not as as great as he once was, but at least he's going to give you stability. Matt Ryan, sixteen oh of God. thirty, under ninety five yards, three picks. In this game, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jeff, through two weeks, an NFL best plus five turnover margin. They've had back to back interceptions on back to back plays in, in two straight weeks. Uh, yeah. to Carson Wentz last week uh, and to Matt Ryan this week. I mean, the Colts moved the ball well on the opening drive. Uh, looked like they were going to march towards at least a field goal try. And then Matt Ryan just uncorks a terrible throw on third down. That was intercepted uh, by Jenkins. And, and from then on, I mean, the, the onslaught began. I mean, the Colts just could do nothing on offense after that first drive. It was three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt, five and out punt on their next four drives to end the half. And at that point, it's 17-0. And with, with no receivers, essentially, they it just felt like Indianapolis had no chance to throw itself back into this game. Right. Uh, it showed they really missed Michael Pittman. We talked at infinitum about how much there's a gap between Pittman and the rest of the wide receivers. No one's – I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. Ashton Doolin did step up a little bit. Five five uh, for seventy nine on yep. seven targets had a, a long of thirty nine, but you can tell he was missed. I think you know there, there should be a firing though here because Jonathan Taylor only got nine carries. He got one target. He is your playmaker. How is he getting ten touches in this game? Yeah, I mean we said it last week too. I mean they faced kind of a similar game script where they're down twenty to three against Houston, and I, we gave credit to them for still using Jonathan Taylor to get right. back into that game. Jonathan Taylor ran and caught his, you know, caught the Colts back into that game against the Texans. And I mean, as always, I thought he looked great. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, most running backs, you know, it, it's a three yard gain with Taylor. It's a six yard gain. Like he's just always, he's always getting the extra yards, but they went away from him. And, you know, they, again, to do that in a game where you're down to your top two receivers, Alec Pierce uh, also was unavailable for this yeah. game. If we, if we want to call him their number two receiver, I don't even know if that's true anymore. Um, yeah. To, to kind of go away from that made no sense because they weren't getting anything uh, through the air in, in right. this game, a couple a couple plays where the Jags kind of fell asleep in the second half and let up some big gains. But uh, I mean, it was also Matt Ryan. Just when you throw back to back interceptions on drives where you, you know you're clearly pressing and you need points, uh, it, it kind of sucked it's the life out of this yeah. offense. And I mean, we we talked last week about Carolina only running 50 plays. Colts only ran 48 plays in this game. You know, they only had nine first downs. They were two of ten on I was third just down. Bring that up. Two yep. on fourth down. I mean, this was. I know not a lot of people probably watched this game start to finish like I did, but this was a thorough beatdown in pretty much every phase of the game. I thought the Jacksonville defense looks really, really good, um, you know, but considerably underrated, especially after last week. Um, you know, obviously that secondary had some issues against Washington, but this defensive line I think could be really, really good. Uh, we saw Josh Allen rack up two more sacks in this game. Uh, you know, Trayvon Walker was a little more quiet uh, than he was in week one, but um, you know, offensively, good game for the Jags. Defensively, they look a little further along than I expected. But I, I think the big takeaway that most people are going to be talking about is just how great Trevor Lawrence looked. I, I think Tua, Tua is going to steal the show as far as young quarterbacks and, and having big games sure. in week two. But this was also Trevor Lawrence's best game as a pro, bar none. Protected the ball, uh, 25 of 30. Didn't, not too many deep strikes, but didn't no. need to. Um, 
Yeah, you know, Jacksonville actually didn't. I mean, they had one long run by James Robinson for 37 yards in the touchdown, but 37 for 96, 2.6 yards per carry. I mean, the Colts are a tough team to kind of crack in the running game. Yeah. Uh, Travis Etienne managers are obviously very unhappy today. Uh, not, not as much work. Uh, but this is also one of those games where they didn't have to be too bold in the play calling either. I mean, when you're protecting a lead like that, they had the early 14-0 lead. And they just kind of salted it away after that. And they, they knowing that the Colts can't hurt you, they kind of put things in the cooler there. And I think there'll be better days for ETN. I'm not that panicked about this. I, I do acknowledge, though, that Robinson is the guy to start right now um, because, you know, he's just getting the workload. He looks healthy. Um, ETN's going to have to settle for a 40% share right now. Yeah, I think at best. I mean, I, I think they're going to run Robinson, you know, until something changes or he gets injured. Right. I mean, he is very clearly the guy. Uh, like you said, 23 to nine split in terms of carries. Uh, ETN to me continues to to look like the the vastly more explosive option, especially out of the backfield, you know, catching the ball. But they just haven't really used him all that much. Maybe they haven't needed him quite yet. Uh, but you know, they they were pounding James Robinson over and over in this yeah. game. He he broke off the 37 yard touchdown. Without that, you know, the the line doesn't look all that great. Uh, it still wasn't even with that run. He was still under three yards per carry on the week, but. I mean, here we are now two weeks into the year and I know there's still four running backs or four plus running backs yet to play tonight. Uh, but James Robinson is the, the, the sixth highest scoring running back in fantasy right now. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. that's for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Christian Kirk looks every bit worth the money that the, the Jaguars spent uh, and throwing off the wide receiver market yep. as if teams weren't going to spend on wide receivers this offseason. That, that it's a funny narrative there. I mean, the fact is they need, they, when you're Jacksonville, you kind of have to overpay. I mean, that that's at least you now you do. And that maybe at least now you did. Now, now maybe in the future, if they, they get some uh, winning seasons under the belt and you're like, hey, this is a team that's going somewhere, then maybe you can get someone to sign, some, sign with you. But the fact is they had to overpay to get someone like Christian Kirk. And, you know, he is the alpha on this offense. That's the one thing that's nice. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, you know, I know last week it seemed like Zay Jones had the, the leg up over Marvin Jones. Uh, for that number two spot. I think that's just going to bounce back and forth. Week to I week. agree. Probably not a, not a lot of fantasy interest in either of those guys. Uh, but yeah, Christian Kirk is very, very clearly the featured option in this offense. And in one of his touchdowns yesterday, we even saw, you know, they, they kind of used him out of the backfield on this kind of, it, it reminded me of like a, a Green Bay Packers type of play where they, they got guys moving all over. It was like a one yard uh, little toss from Trevor Lawrence that he easily could have just ran in himself. Uh, so they're using Christian Kirk all over the field, in the slot, yeah. on the outside, in the backfield. Uh, and that's exactly what you want to see, you know, if you're invested in For Christian sure. Kirk, who right now, I mean, we talked about James Robinson being a top six running back. Christian Kirk is fifth in PPR scoring right now through two weeks. And two touchdowns you know, guys, tend to help like, there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, guys like Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs will likely pass him tonight. But either way, he's going to be a top 10 guy through the first two weeks. So great start for Christian Kirk. We also saw Evan Ingram get involved a little bit here, seven for 46 eight targets still wouldn't really touch him. I think you're, he's one of those guys that if you're starting him, you're just praying that he gets in the end zone. I don't think he's going to be really be a sustainable option. I think he's a meat and potatoes guy. I think when you have your, if you're starting tight ends hurt, I think he's going to get you, you know, basic. He's going to get you six to seven points on a week to week yeah. basis. Cause I think he'll be regularly part of the offense. I don't think he's mm -hmm. going to be a featured guy. And every once in a while, he's going to steal a touchdown. I, I, I think he's handy. Uh, maybe not dynamic, but handy. Yeah. Yeah. And right, I think but, he fits well in this offense. I'll, I'll say that, but anyway, yeah, enough yeah. Jags talk. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, never, never enough Jags talk. All right. Carolina at the giants, the G men here. I mean, this was 
kind of an ugly game too. Oh, yeah. uh, well, it depends on your perspective, but Christian McCaffrey finally looked a lot better. Although again, I'd like to see him used a little bit more often 15 for one Oh two at that big, long 49 yard run uh, four of five targets in the passing game for 26 yards better. Uh, not, not, not great though. Um, the problem is that Carolina, they're just not throwing the ball. Baker looks terrible. Baker looks awful. And for the second straight week, they, they were just like massively disadvantaged in terms of time of possession. They only ran 54 plays yep. in this game. I mean, you got other teams running like 80 plus plays. Um, so you know, with, with McCaffrey, it, I, hopefully this doesn't become a theme, but I, I kind of want to chalk it up yet again to the, you know, the Panthers just didn't run that many plays. It's not like they're going away yeah. from him. They're not feeding another running back. We saw Deontay Foreman uh, come in and have two carries, but it's not, it's not like McCaffrey is, is really splitting the workload with anybody. Right. They're just not moving the ball. You know, when you're, when you're going three and out on half of your drives, you just don't have all that many opportunities. And yeah, Baker Mayfield, man, he's, he's, it's fun to have him in the league. Like he's one of those guys that I, I like, I like having him around. Like there's always going to be storylines week to week. He's just somebody that you would never want quarterbacking the team that you root for. No, no, I, I, th- I, we made some excuses for him. You know, yes. he's playing hurt last year. He's still probably better than Darnold, but I mean, man, talk about low bars better. to clear. Uh, it, it's, it's not, not pretty. Um, so honestly, um, yeah. And DJ Moore is, we, he's not getting unlocked. Robbie Anderson had one big blown coverage touchdown last week, had some target share last week, but back to three for 32 is zero this week. I mean, it's just, yeah, like you said, not that many targets to go around. Two fumbles were huge in this game. The opening kickoff by uh, Chuba Hubbard, and then Robbie Anderson put one on the ground too. And fumbles are just they're killers. I mean, they're, they're you know, any turnover is a killer, I guess. But uh, it, it really hurts when you you have those situations there. And uh, you know, Giants get a free three points, and guess what? That's the margin of difference in this game. Yeah, I mean, Carolina fumbled on the, on its first two possessions, uh, yep. and both of those set up the Giants, you know, in extremely advantageous field position, and they they came away with field goals on both drives. So initially it looked like Carolina had survived a disastrous start, you know, easily could have been like 10 or 14 to nothing giants. And, you know, Carolina is able to battle back into this game. It was tied at the half, but yeah, there's just, despite having like one of the best playmakers in the league in McCaffrey and a really good receiver in DJ Moore, I mean, this offense is struggling and you know, it's, it's, if you can't really move the ball against a, a Browns team that just allowed 31 points to the jets and you can't do it against this giants team, it makes you worry for, for what's coming up next for Carolina. So I, you know, obviously with McCaffrey, you, you got to ride it out and it's a little bit disappointing, but still got over a hundred yards on 15 carries, but you know, going up against the saints next week, uh, you get the Cardinals after that, then it's the 49ers and the Rams and the Buccaneers. Uh, so not, not a, a lot of uh, appealing matchups uh, for the Carolina Panthers really until the end of October when you get the Falcons. Yeah. And that, that, Carolina Atlanta is not the definition of the word appealing to me either. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, Giants. I mean, they were pretty, they're on the struggle bus too, right now. Uh, a second week in a row, Daniel Jones didn't look that great. 22 for 34, 176, 5.2 yards per attempt. Did have a touchdown pass. Got sacked three times. Um, he protected the ball at least. So he got that going for him. He didn't, he didn't have a fumble sack. So mm-hmm. getting a little better there, but Barkley only 3.4 yards per carry. Didn't have any big plays. The longest was 16. That's as big as it gets. Richie James, your leading yards receiving receiver. David Sills, the fifth, uh, three for 37. Sterling Shepard had 10 targets. I actually kind of low-key like him going forward because of the volume. But you know who didn't? 
Kenny Galladay didn't show up at all on the stat sheet, and Kadarius Tony was two for zero, one one two yard catch, one negative two yard catch. This is not; these are not the players you expected coming into this season. Yeah, it's it's actually amazing if you if you just look at the box scores with no context, and someone told you that the Giants are somehow two and zero, you'd be like, what what the hell is going on here? But uh, you know, that's that's the advantage, I guess, of, of getting Carolina in week two. And I mean, they they have two more winnable games coming up. Like there is a a, a world in which the the New York Giants are 4-0. Uh, it's really not all that far-fetched. By the way, they play the Monday night game against Dallas next week, so get fired up for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Richie James. Richie James versus Noah Brown, I guess. Those are the two headliners. Uh, with Tony, I mean, he was a little injured coming into the game. It was it, His status was in question, so you do wonder if maybe they were limiting him a little bit. But Kenny Galladay, I mean, this situation, I don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to be on the roster. He got two he, snaps. He, two. Well, there, there are reports that he cleaned out his locker and just left right after the game. Um, so not really sure what's, what's going to go on there. Wouldn't be surprised if they try to negotiate, uh, some sort of exit there contract wise. I don't know how difficult that would be, but I mean, at this point, I think you're almost operating as if he's just like not an option. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very bizarre. I mean, they're kind of cleaning house. They're cleaning out the, the mess that was left behind. Sometimes you have to do that there. Uh, I mean, but it's David Sills, you know, a second year player that's 26 years old. Uh, you know, it's not like he's some promising up and coming guy. He's, he's getting targets, Richie James cast off from the Niners. Uh, it's kind of like the bears, not, you know, young quarterback and setting him up for failure, but, uh, who knows? I mean, the giants are two and oh, though. They're two and oh. Yeah. What, what failure? They're two and oh. Exactly. Exactly. There. Uh, let's, let's move on. I don't want to talk about this game. There's just, there's like no fantasy takeaways. We'd we'd really be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on, your tailgate snacks ready. That's right. NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Giants fever. Catch it. Don't Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. All right, let's talk about another game here. Let's get some let's get this. Oh wait, we got another Church of Wood coming up here too. Bucks and the Saints. This was ugly 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 until the fourth quarter. It sure was. Uh and we, we should probably start by by saying Mike Evans has been suspended for next week already. It's already come uh, down. Yeah, it's already come down. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of appeal process, but I would imagine uh, given his history with this specific game uh, and, and Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, I think this is their third, like full on brawl uh, over the last three or four years. We would imagine that Mike Evans will not be available for week three, Uh, pretty big game, by the way, against the green Bay Packers Uh, and Tampa Bay was also without Julio Jones. And of course, Chris Godwin in this game as well. So maybe, maybe it could be without all three uh, of their top receivers next week against green Bay, but it showed. It showed, man. I mean, this this Tampa offense did not look good against Dallas last week, and it looked very similar uh, against New Orleans. Uh, you know, I, I think if Jameis Winston plays a slightly better game, New Orleans is is very much in this and, and potentially wins it. I mean, he was awful, awful. Had some really bad interceptions that essentially killed yeah. any momentum that New Orleans was able to generate. Uh, Mark Ingram had a really bad fumble as well. Was actually running the ball really well in place of Alvin Kamara, who was not available. Uh, and then fumbled deep in Buccaneers territory to, to put an end to another Saints would be scoring drive. Um, but yeah, not, not a lot put of the ball on the ground. I a mean. lot. Yeah. I mean, it was, 
kind of a weird play too, where he, he kind of he made a nice catch on the sideline, wasn't touched. Uh, and then essentially the fumble or the ground, excuse me, caused the fumble. And because he wasn't touched, you know, Tampa Bay was able to recover that. Uh, so some yep. fluky plays for sure for new Orleans, but very few fantasy takeaways here. I mean, with, with Brady, two touchdowns in two weeks uh, as, as, as someone who's rostering him on, on several teams, that's not ideal. Uh, we saw Fournette just repeatedly run into a wall in this game. I, I think new Orleans had a pretty good idea of, of what Tampa Bay was trying to do offensively. I mean, uh, other than one really nice throw from Tom Brady to Brashad Perriman in the back of the end zone, it was a pretty pedestrian day yet again for this Bucks offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, they, they had Mike Edwards TD too. I mean, thing is, this was the compromised bowl. Both teams were just missing so many key players. Yep. Jameis is playing with four fractures in his back. I yep. mean, and it showed. You know, the Bucks defense was Bucks defense was the big, the highest scoring unit out there right now. I mean, they sacked, they got the three picks, the two fumbles, six sacks, and a touchdown. I mean, that that pretty much covers it there. Yeah, I mean, Jameis threw picks on three straight possessions in the second half when the Saints were still – it was still a one-score game. Yeah. Uh, and the, the pick six, essentially, that was the backbreaker. I mean, once once that was – I mean, yeah. that put Tampa Bay up 20-3 to three, uh, with, I think, like five minutes left, uh, maybe even less than that in the fourth quarter. So that was essentially it. And then, of course, you know, the Saints go down and, and tack on what was ultimately a meaningless touchdown. But very quietly now, three touchdowns for Michael Thomas in two weeks. Yeah. And he got nine targets, six for 60, 65. I liked seeing Alave there. Did you start Jarvis Landry in any of your thousand teams where you have him rostered? I knew this was coming, and no, I did not. Uh, and shockingly, right. Jarvis Landry did not match his production from week one, which uh, I, I will go on the record and say I don't think he's going to match that again the rest of the year. No, you, you probably won't. It'll probably take him three games to get up to that total, yeah. in fact. But, yeah. uh yeah, four for 25. That's that's kind of what we expected from him on a regular basis there. Just exploited a uh, Rams, I mean, a Falcons team that had has two solid cover corners and Landry got the third that was less than solid and he ate and it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, they, I mean, both these teams, they need, need to get healthy and healthy quick. Brady, I mean, Brady, look, Brady doesn't look great either. I mean, he gets did enough to get it done, but he was averaging 5.6 yards per attempt in, in his own right. Uh, he's trying to get rid of the ball quickly. Clearly he's only been sacked three times, but that offensive line's not great. Um, Fournette didn't find too much room. He had one 13 yard run, but 24 for 65. That's pretty ugly. Just, just a bad game. I mean, two good defenses. Some of that's, you know, they got to give the defenses credit for taking advantage of that, but, uh, they, these guys need, they need to get healthy and quick. Yeah. Defenses get credit, but you know, I think it, it, it definitely seemed like two teams that were missing, key playmakers that's for sure and you know i, I think uh yeah it's, it's a little bit poetic just given who he is but i, I think julio jones is going to end up being a, a big meaningful piece for this buccaneers team like they they really missed him uh compared to what yeah. he gave them yeah. in that dallas game so uh, we'll be we'll be keeping a very close eye on on both julio and chris godwin this week ahead of that green bay game yeah and you know the thing is julio looked good in week one and then all of a sudden he, he went downward in practice into game time decision didn't play uh yeah I'll, I'll and i think they're gonna be out without godwin for a while still i think i know they they, they remember we were both kind of like yeah it's not it's skeptical i'm skeptical of their framing of everything here not as bad as we thought it was going to be okay well then when's he gonna play well we're not gonna tell you that yeah, it's like well the good news is he didn't re-tear his acl but yeah. the bad news is he's still injured and will likely miss multiple weeks so mm -hmm. yeah i mean still not ideal and obviously with julio we love him. Everybody wants him to be healthy, but you know, we're already going down 
that same track that we've been down time and time and time again in the past. Would you consider picking up Brett Perriman? Uh, I mean, not Brett, Brashad Perriman. Yeah, Brashad Brett Perriman, Perriman, yeah. Brett Perriman. No, I would not consider. No. Yeah. I don't know if he's in the player pool. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe just for one week, I, I guess it depends what the outlook is yeah. on Chris Godwin. If we, if we find out that he's maybe going to miss three, four or five games, then possibly there's room for Perriman, but you know, with Evans, it's, it's looking like it'll just be the one game uh, that he'll miss. So after that, I mean, probably not. If Perriman doesn't have that, that one touchdown, I, I don't think, you know, we're, we're really discussing this. I, it's just, it hasn't been a very good passing offense. That's the thing is, it, you know, maybe we need to see it against a non New Orleans, non Dallas defense, uh, especially with, with how Dallas played against Cincinnati. But I, I, it just doesn't seem to me like it's an offense that is going to be supportive of like two or three productive receivers. No, probably not. I think one of the takeaways is defense is winning most of these battles right now. There are some teams that are functioning really clear, well on offense, but there's a lot, I think, or at least early on in the season, the defenses are winning these battles. So at least that's my impression. I should probably do some stats to back that up. But uh, well, I actually have one for you. I saw Chris Towers, uh, who does good work yep, for, for CBS. For CBS. Yep. So yeah, we, I know we work with him. Uh, scoring is down 10% from the last two weeks of last season. So you're, yeah. you're right. I mean, it, it certainly feels that way watching these games. 10% is a lot too, by the it way. Is. That's, a, that's a pretty significant chunk. All right. More fun game here. Commanders versus the Lions. Uh, Lions jumped them early. Commanders rallied late to have put up good stats, but ultimately fell well short. Uh, the Lions good? I don't know. I don't know. It, the Lions to me feel like uh, they're like, like Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. Or one of those teams in the yeah. 12 that like that tries to win every game like 54 to 51. Uh, I mean, they're they're tied with the Chiefs right now as the highest scoring team in the NFL. 35 in week one, 36 yesterday against the Commanders. And I mean, Washington could not have played a worse first half in this game. I mean, their mm-hmm. their their drives in the first half were three and out punt, three and out punt, safety, three and out punt, three and out punt, punt, punt. Uh yeah, like literally did nothing whatsoever uh to help themselves, but got things going. In the second half, much like last week, Carson Wentz threw touchdowns on three straight drives at one point. Did have, did mix a pick in there, but still ended up with another monster stat line. I mean, 337 yards, three touchdowns, um, yeah, 23 rushing yards as well. And and once again, we yeah. saw all three of Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel. All three of those guys were, were totally viable fantasy-wise. You know, McLaurin, yeah. McLaurin didn't get in the end zone. Uh, but we saw Jahan Dotson. He's now got three touchdowns through two games. Curtis Samuel got in the end zone again. Uh, we didn't see Samuel involved in the running game quite as much. Did have one carry for 21 yards. So that was semi-disappointing. But, you know, they also have Antonio Gibson. They also have McKissick. So, I, I you know, I came out of this game, I, I guess, feeling pretty encouraged about Detroit. It looked like for a second there, they were maybe going to let the commanders back, in, back into this game. But I mean, this offense is just relentless. I mean, I, they, they've been yeah. as aggressive as aggressive as any team over the first eight quarters of the season. I mean, they are just trying to score touchdowns on every single drive. There's no, there's no game management. There's no running the clock. Like it is just big play after big play. It is. It really is. Amon Ross St. Brown. What a run he's on. I mean, we were kind of like, okay, that was great at the end of the year last year, but you know, he, he certainly wasn't going at a price commensurate with what his production was the end of year last year. And he's out producing where he is draft price right now. Nine for one sixteen, two touchdowns and two rushes for 68 yards, including a 58 yarder. Uh, Yeah. Massive, massive day there. DeAndre Swift was on a snap count, but it looked good when he was in there. I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to get more, more use in the, in the long run there. 
I mean, it's not nice seeing Jamal Williams vulture back, but uh, I don't think that's always going to be the case either. I mean, Detroit even had a, remember they failed, failed to fail to connect on downs uh, fourth and goal. I thought, you know, it could have even been worse. Although I think after they got stopped on downs, they got the safety. So that's one of the added advantages when you go for it. And yeah, it was exactly when they got the safety. So that's one of the advantages you get when you're, when you're bold in the red zone. I mean, it's always a time and place. You don't do it like a minute left in the first half, but uh, you do do it when you have more time. And that's what they did. I mean, Goff doesn't, didn't turn the ball over. 20 for 34, four touchdowns. I mean, just a very efficient performance. Yeah, I mean, now that they have to go on the road at some point here, but, uh, you know, they, they, they look good. They, they got five sacks. Hutchinson got three of those sacks. I mean, that that's big to see him kind of – your first round draft pick contributing like that. You love seeing that. Um, a lot of good things coming out of Detroit. They got to be feeling pretty good today. Yeah. I, I, I was going to bring up Hutchinson as well. He was fantastic. He was all over the field in the first half of this game. He looks like that's going to be a, a big time hit at number two overall. I mean, even Jeff Okuda, their, their first rounder from two years ago had a kind of a rough rookie year was, was banged up, but he, he looked good in this game. He's been much better through their first two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, when's the last time we've talked about the Lions as having this like high flying offensive attack? I mean, it feels like it's been forever, but they're I mean, they're one of the most fun teams to watch in the league yeah. so far. And it, it feels like, you know, I mean, we'll see what they do you know, when they start running into some better defensive units. But I think we thought the Eagles would be a pretty good defense. They, they put up 35 there. Um, you know, the commanders will see uh, that they're at Minnesota next week. So I, I think, yeah. you know, based on what we see from the Vikings tonight against Philly, uh, maybe that'll be a better test. But yeah, I mean, so far, Amon Ross St. Brown is on the short list of, of the biggest fantasy storylines of the first two weeks. I mean, you look at the top scoring receivers in PPR so far, it's Cooper Cup number one, it's Tyreek Hill number two, and it's Amon Ross St. Brown number three. Yep. The only negative was DJ Chark. Zero for zero, yeah. uh, four targets in this one there. Some people felt comfortable starting him. Some people being me, for instance, uh, started him after a pretty good first game. Yeah. Just wasn't wasn't a part of it instead we saw josh reynolds getting reps and targets got getting a touchdown it's like mm, not not happy about that one there but uh no. unfortunately chark that's happened before in his career where he's disappeared from games uh we'll move on to the next one here but uh, before we do that though a quick note from our, our final sponsor here uh and that sponsor happens to be monkey knife fight football is officially back on monkey knife fight with all the nfl action that you're looking for and if college football is more your speed they've got plenty of that too on Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched up instantly to $100, instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, Nick and I are breaking down the week that was in week two. Uh, that covers the rest of the early slate. Let's jump on to Niners and Seahawks. Obvious storyline, unfortunately, is Trey Lance getting hurt. Massive, ugly injury there. Jimmy Garoppolo is now the starter. Lance is out for the season. Huge game-changing injury for the Niners. Yeah, I, I mean, pr- props to Trey Lance for like handling that with the the composure of somebody who like really didn't seem injured at all. It was pretty insane. Like if I broke my ankle, I would I would not be that calm. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, in some ways, it's like weirdly poetic, I guess, that, you know, it, it's as soon as they decided to keep Garoppolo on the roster, you just you knew this was going to be a storyline. And then, of course, you know, two weeks later, here he is now likely going to start the rest of the year uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. They, they essentially ruled out Trey Lance 
right away. It kind of similar. It feels like to that, that injury that Dak suffered uh, a yeah. few years ago, although probably a little more severe. I, I believe Dak was able to recover more quickly than, than Lance's projected timetable, but all in all, I, I don't know that this really changes my opinion of the 49ers. I mean, we, we certainly saw the play calling dramatically change right away. They, they went to a little more uh, aggressive passing attack as soon as Garoppolo came in and, you know, we're able to run the ball a bunch once the game got, got out of hand in the second half, but long-term I, I still, it doesn't really change like the Super Bowl type of ceiling for me with San Francisco, yeah. but it just, it, it's going to delay yet another year where we, we still don't know if Trey Lance is good. Like the same questions that we had about Trey Lance right. coming into this season, the same questions we were asking two days ago about Trey Lance, we're going to be asking in September of 2023. Like it, the evaluation period now is just delayed another year. Yeah. And contractually, it's going to delay Lance for another year yes. in terms of getting that extension too, almost certainly. Uh, it changes the offense too. All those RPOs are gone. Um, you know, we still got, you know, Debo is going to get his, a lot of carries four for 53 mm -hmm. uh, yesterday is as far as that goes. Uh, but you're going to get a lot more straight carries from the running backs. Jeff Wilson had 18 for 84 yesterday. Tyrion Davis price uh, wasn't very efficient, for, but he got 14 carries for 33 yards. Uh, of course, Garoppolo had a QB sneak touchdown and Juszczyk uh, had a, a goal line touchdown too. Uh, Wilson did get carries in the red zone though. So he's still like the goal line back you're going to use, but I think, Wilson benefits some from this, unfortunately, you know, in, in a weird sort of way. Um, passing game, we'll see. I mean, it might hurt Ayuk. Now, I will say this. Jimmy G looked like he had more zip on his ball than he did last year because, remember, he had shoulder surgery in the yeah. offseason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, Jimmy looked great, I thought. I mean, uh, Seattle was overmatched in this game. But this is one where I, I know in our staff picks column, like, I, I love Seattle covering. I thought the number was way too big. Uh, as it turns out, uh, the odds makers knew what they were doing with that one. Yeah. And, and Seattle just came out completely flat in this game. and couldn't really get anything going. But, uh, yeah, I thought Jimmy looked great. He looked ready. Uh, you know, right away, my first thought was like, wait, wasn't he like not even with the team? It, it kind of felt like they were keeping him away, wasn't yeah. super involved during training camp. So I, I think it was fair to wonder what he would look like. But he looked like a guy who was prepared to step in. Well, we saw what Nate Sudfeld looked like. I mean, yeah. I think they're like, oh, shit. Shoot, we got to get someone better here. Um, and that that turned out to be prescient. I don't know if that was by design or if it's just uh, that they lucked into that decision, but uh, they need them now big time. So we'll see what see how that goes going forward. Seattle, uh, this is the Seattle that we thought that they would be at. You know, the week one, they had that big crowd-filled revenge game boost. You know, got to remember in the, the, the second half, they were shut out in that win over the Broncos. They just held on for dear life in the second half. Geno Smith actually was 24 for 30, but they were all short. He got he was pressured a lot. Um, he got one pick. Uh, wasn't the worst pick by, uh, thrown by a Seattle player that game. DJ Dallas threw that one play. Nice play call, guys. By the way, uh, I don't know. Hey, that let's be tricky. Um, but yeah, it, it was that was even if he had read, you know, had gotten maybe gotten a little bit more loft on the throw is going to be picked off by the next guy. I mean, it was just, it was such a bad, bad decision. Yeah. This is why you don't put players in that position. Uh, the running backs just, they're destroyed now. Um, Penny was six for 15. Kenneth Walker, four for 10. I mean, the fact that they got Homer in that backfield, they've got like these three running back sets all the time. Such what is this? Nebraska in the seventies. Yeah. Come on. Uh, uh, it's just, this is not a fun offense to watch. Now it was raining game was in the muck. They're trailing the whole time. They got down early. So mm -hmm. I get their only points came though on a blocked field goal. Uh, Tyler Lockett actually had a pretty good game after a first game where he was barely targeted mm -hmm. nine for one Oh seven DK only had six targets in this one. 
just it, it's it's going to be a pretty ugly offensive season for Seattle this year. Yeah, I, I think he said it as like this is the the type of performance we're going to see a little more uh, consistently than what we saw in week one. I don't, maybe Seattle needs to create some sort of like spiteful rivalry for for each game because they they just look like a much different team in week one. You know, just yep. the, the like the level of intensity and you know just preparedness was notably different. I mean, they were so flat in this first half. And, you know, I mean, this is, you're going up against a team that, you know, it's, it's starting quarterback broke his ankle like a few minutes into the game. You know, if anything, you'd think that the 49ers are the team that would have the life sucked out of them. And Seattle was just completely uh, unable to, to, uh, you know, capitalize uh, on San Francisco being without Trey Lance. And obviously they're in a unique situation as far as who's relieving him. Normally it's a much bigger downgrade going to a backup quarterback, but yeah, the Seattle offense was ugly. Uh, I'm definitely worried about Metcalf. This game felt pretty similar to last week for him, where everything's difficult. You know, some of the lines might end up looking okay, but um, you know, he just he's not going to have the the deep ball opportunities. I think, especially that he was able to feast on over the last couple of years with Russell Wilson. So it's it's going to be a bit of a slog with Metcalf, but major bounce back from Tyler Lockett. That's for sure. I I still think though it could be very up and down. Yeah, I was going to say it's not bankable. Yeah. yeah, it's not bank I would There are some weeks where you maybe you just don't have a choice and you have to throw them in there, but I wouldn't be feeling great about it. Yep. Let's move on to Atlanta and the Rams. Nick, I, uh, Shu and I are in a survivor pool where we actually used uh, the Ravens last week. Uh, yeah. So we actually survived the carnage that was week one. Uh, we went Rams this week, and I was thinking, okay, we nailed this pick. Yep. It was, 20, it was 21 to three, then it was 28 to three against the Falcons. Interesting number there. Um, and then the Stafford was getting sloppy Cooper cut cup puts the ball on the ground. They suffer a block punt touchdown. This game was unduly close, really scary at the end there uh, after the cup fumble. I'm like, they're really going to do this. They're going to fall behind. I'm, I'm hoping that the Rams can turn around and score. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about the good stuff first. I mean, they, they were moving the ball really readily early on. Stafford did throw for 272 and three touchdowns. He was only sacked one time. Uh, Cooper Cup did his thing. Allen Robinson actually scored. Uh, Higby went seven for 71, so he kind of reprised week one a little bit there. Cam Akers saw the field early. wasn't great, but uh, there's some things they did right in this game. Obviously, they won. <laughs> well, they should. I mean, this should have been a, a much different result. Uh, you know, For one, Atlanta had a chance to win this game, and Mariota threw a, a pretty bad pick uh, oh. deep in Rams territory. I mean, like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't only that they – you know, had an opportunity to win. I mean, they were, they were like 30 yards from the end zone and very easily could have capped this one off. Uh, but for most of the afternoon, it looked like the Rams were going to cruise to like a 15 to 20 point victory. Matthew Stafford to me, it just looks shaky. I know he had the three touchdowns. Like he still, yeah. he still has three or three or four throws per game where you're just like, wow, man, like this, this guy, I, I understand, you know, why he led this team to the Super Bowl. but then he also has three or four throws per game where you're like, good quarterbacks don't make these throws. Like he already has five picks through two games and, and yeah. his picks are, are head scratchers. They are, they are picks that great quarterbacks uh, do not throw. Uh, but, you know, Cooper cup, other than the fumble was, it was amazing yet again in this game had, a, had an incredible touchdown catch early on finished with two touchdowns. Allen Robinson should have had another touchdown. Uh, it was, it was called off. There was kind of a weird, like a, they even like replayed it. And like the play was called back due to like an injury timeout, but yeah. nobody blew the whistle until the play had almost concluded there's a lot of confusion there. So he, it was a really nice kind of heads up play by the Rams to, to try to do a quick snap near the goal line should have been a second touchdown 
for Robinson. Yeah. But either way, I'm, I'm all, all keenly aware of that one there. You know, have, having a lot of exposure to Robinson, you know, you yeah. feel you feel snake bit on that. But at least he got the other one there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice bounce back for him. You know, got that first touchdown early. That was kind of a nice sigh of relief. And, you know, I mean, Cam Akers, it was not a, a banner day, uh, you know, 15 for 44. But at least the workload was there because that was the big concern. I think in week one was, you know, not only that uh, Akers like didn't give you anything, it was that he wasn't on the field for the first two series and just seemed like it was a, you know, he was dramatically out of favor compared to Henderson um, right. and the workload in this game didn't really belie that. Right. And he actually had more carries than Henderson yep. and the only he, Henderson didn't have any targets. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Things are now on a full on timeshare and it could be even more in favor of Akers going forward. I wouldn't be surprised on that on the Atlanta side. I, are you freaking out about Kyle Pitts? I, I only have him, I think, in one league. Uh, so in, in that league, yeah, I'm not happy about it. Uh, it's two weeks with this, and you know Arthur Smith after the game, basically <sighs> just like you know de- declining to talk about it, dismissing it, uh, not really acknowledging that he has like you know a generational talent at tight end, and it's not really using him as such. So to me, that's what's a little more concerning. And you know, you, you kind of like to hear him say, "Yeah, you know, we, we're going to get some more packages for for Pitts." It was more like, "Hey, shut up! I'm the coach. Don't worry about it. Don't question uh, my genius. Yeah, I was like, my okay, brilliance." Well, we're yes. trying. This isn't a fantasy league. We're trying to win games. That was yeah. That's like the last thing you, you know, want to hear as someone who's in a fantasy you. league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three targets for Kyle Pitts, and like, there's some obvious you know situations where all right, you're near, you're you're in the red zone. You know, you're you're throwing these like jump balls basically to like Kadero Hodge and Olamide Zacchaeus. It's like you have mm-hmm. the guy for these. Like, why are you not using him? So not panicking, but it's concerning for sure. I mean, it, it'd be one thing if he had two for nineteen, but he was targeted eight times and they just, you know, they just couldn't hook up whatever, but three targets in a game where, where Marcus Mariota, you know, did only throw it 26 times, I guess, if you, if you want to look at that as a positive, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little strange. Um, but I guess the other side of this is that Drake London eight for 86 and a touchdown on 12. Good. Targets. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what's happening is teams are preparing for pits uh, yeah. and they're, they're okay. Your receiver will treat you like a receiver. You know, we'll, we'll bracket you. We'll put two guys on you. Yep. Uh, and they got to figure out how to beat that, but they haven't done that done so yet. Drake London looks the part, too. I mean, it's not just the the volume and the, the, the results, but, you know, how he's doing. He's beating some good players. He's holding on to some tough catches. He looks great. He really looks good. Yeah, absolutely. He looks more ready than I expected. Uh, he's been fantastic through these first two weeks, and he's a big part of the reason that, you know, Atlanta probably should have won that game against New Orleans in week one, and – uh, even though they were trailing by a ton for, for most of this game, you know, you look at the final score and losing by four to the Rams on the road. That's, it's not a bad result for a team that, you know, I think we expected to be Owen two, but it's been a hell of a lot more competitive than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on. I, in leagues where I didn't use the Rams and my existing survivor pools, I used the Broncos. Boy, am I glad to get them done and over with. Oh, they are terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm piling on. Everybody, single person on Twitter was just having a field day ripping on Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, uh, who who similarly looks terrible. But this team doesn't have their stuff together. I mean, they're like all these delay games to the point where their own fans are counting down the play clock for them. So they realize, I mean, that that's when your fan base turns on you in your first home game, when you're so excited about this quarterback and they lay such an egg against the Texans. uh, I mean, I, if it weren't for what happened last week, I'd be willing to suggest, Hey, maybe this Texans defense is way better than we're giving them credit for. Uh, And we did see that they actually did a pretty decent job against the Colts for three quarters. Uh, But man, this is just, just ugly Uh, winning ugly here. 
I think if the Broncos play almost any other team in the league, maybe maybe any other team in the league, they lose this game. I think they they benefited from Houston just not being a very talented team, from Houston not being able to execute uh, in similar situations. I mean, the Texans were two of 13 on third down in this mm-hmm. game. They were one of three on fourth down. Denver, three of 12 on third down. I mean, they, I think the biggest thing is they they have like the yips. Nathaniel Hackett has the yips in the red zone. Like when they when they approach anything close to a touchdown, he just doesn't know what to do. And, you know, like you said, it is it does feel like piling on, but I – We've seen a lot of bad coaches come through the NFL. I don't think I've I can remember a situation where yeah, you know, I'm not saying Hackett is like a, a full on bad coach, but has, has anybody been less prepared or just seemed like more frazzled than Nathaniel Hackett through two games? Like he just seems totally overmatched from a decision making standpoint. It seems like it. Doesn't help that Jerry Judy left this game early. Yeah. They're already down Tim Patrick. KJ Hamler didn't play this game. They're missing, you know. You know, all receivers not named Cortland Sutton, who got his seven for one twenty-two. Uh, but they really they missed that. They they tried to hook up with uh, the backs a couple of times. Williams only Williams had four targets, but only one catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're lacking some talent uh, in the receiving core. Albert O got shut out. Uh, you know, but they were doing like running plays for Andrew Beck. I mean, on third was, down. Yeah. That was crazy. That was one of the craziest play calls I've, I've ever seen in that situation, especially because that was that was far enough into the game where they were already getting booed on third yep. down for their calls. And then you run that. I mean, I, I just, and then I put it away it. after that, too. Yeah, was, well, that's the nice thing. They, they basically they basically did like the exact same scenario as last week where they couldn't decide if they wanted to go for it or they wanted to kick. And by the time that decision you know was made, it was too late. You had to take a delay a game. And that's when the boos really started. I mean, that yep. was they were getting booed on pretty much every offensive possession deep into the second half and, and even the touchdown, which went to Eric Sobert. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody had him starting in, in a bunch of leagues. Like even that one felt like, man, the wow, fourth really string tight end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's but also not, kind of a function of all the injuries they had. Yeah, I for mean, sure. For sure. Um, I mean, there's Tyree Cleveland was the only other player other than Cortland Sutton to have multiple receptions in this game. I mean, Russell Wilson was six of 20 passing at one point uh, early in the second half. So, I mean, this was, this was, if you didn't watch the game, it was as ugly as the box score implies. Yeah, and if you didn't watch the game, congratulations on that. Uh, Texans side of things. Uh, remember, I, I'm old enough to remember when Rex Burkhead got more carries and snaps than yeah. Damian Pierce, and everybody freaked out. Uh, Pierce was 15 for 69. He actually looked pretty good at times. Uh, 4.6 yards per carries. Uh, only one target in the passing game. Uh, and You know, I think they, they struggled in short yardage situations, but he did have one big fourth down conversion late in that game. Uh, they just they couldn't punch it in the end zone. Davis Mills couldn't do a whole lot. Uh, Brandon Cooks was pretty well shut down. Ten targets, four for fifty-four. I mean, that's a lot of targets to get fifty-four yards. Same thing yeah. with uh, Nico Collins had nine targets in this one for fifty-eight yards. So they didn't, you know, when they when he when they did connect, they actually did some stuff, but they didn't connect a lot. Yeah, and I, I ha- I'm hesitant to say this was like a great game by the Denver defense. I mean, I, I guess it was, but to me, it just. Yeah, you know, it, it just felt like Houston couldn't do a whole lot. I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like this was a dominant uh, performance by, no. by a Denver defense that led up a bunch of points to Seattle in the first half last week. No but, turnovers. You know, I mean, they're, yeah. they're without Justin Simmons. Patrick Sertan got banged up in this game, yeah. so uh, some more injuries to monitor for a team uh, that certainly does not need that. But it's, I, I still have no idea what to think about this Denver team. And you know, would they get the? I think they play Sunday night against the Niners next week, so that's going to tell us a lot. They get the Raiders yeah. after that. But that Seattle game was just such a unique one-off, given everything that's going on around it. 
Uh, and then the Texans, you know, for all we know, they might be the worst team in the league. We're not even sure on that yet. Um, yeah. So, it, I, I mean, the Broncos could easy, could have easily lost this game. They could easily be 0-2. I think they're lucky that they had the Texans on the schedule in week two because I don't think they were prepared to beat 95% of the NFL with how they Prepared played. to the operative term, too, 100%. They, they look completely, un, utterly unprepared. That was the ugly part about that. What the heck happened in Arizona and the Raiders? How did the Raiders collapse so badly? Up 20 to nothing at halftime. They just went into a shell in the second half. Only scored three points in the second half. Uh, Renfro put the ball on the ground twice. The second time uh, for the fumble six in overtime. But, you know, there's a lot of things that went wrong in this. How does Devontae Adams get two catches? I guess the Cardinals secondary, they got shredded the week before. Absolutely shredded. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the Raiders. I think this is the most disappointing blown lead. I, I think the like the, I, I think like the Jets coming back on the Browns is probably like the most statistically improbable uh, of the the blown leads that we saw in the early window. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Baltimore blowing that game to Miami that was just fireworks all over the place. But this was like the, this was like the saddest one because it was just a slow bleed out uh, for the Raiders, and you, you just kind of sensed it that the offense after halftime just had nothing, had no punch yeah. whatsoever. They came out. They went three and out, allowed a really long 11-play touchdown drive to Arizona, came back, tacked on a field goal. At that point, you're still feeling pretty good if you're Vegas. You know, you're, you're up 23-7 to seven at the end of the third quarter. You yeah. then force – you know, you force a huge stop on a fourth down uh, on the Cardinals' ensuing drive, and you think, okay, we're good. Yeah. What you can't do there is go three and out and burn 20 seconds off the clock. You know, that, that to me was just horrible. unconscionable. Horrible, yeah. horrible play calling. Uh, and then from then on, you know, they just – they could not get off the field. You know, they could not get off the field. There was the long, you know, the Kyler Murray uh, experience. The 22nd two-point conversion. Yeah, yeah. I saw somebody say he ran over 80 yards in that yeah. play. Uh, I don't know how you just kind of let him. He essentially walked his way into the end zone by the end of it. Uh, but it, it just reminded me, I, I thought the Raiders were going to be a better team this year. I, I thought they could maybe finally take that next step. This was a classic 2021 Raiders game. You know, it was just that the defense just could not get off the field when it needed to. And, you know, when you need Derek Carr to make a play, it seems like he's, he's kind of a front runner, you know, in the first half when things are going well, everything's great. Uh, when you, when you say, Hey, we need you to go down and get a score here to end this game. He couldn't do it. Yeah. I was half wrong about the AFC West. I was wrong because I, I touted the Broncos to be a real so contender in this division. So and that's, that's looking like that's not aging very well, but I did say to fade the Raiders and, you know, they're yeah. on two now. I mean, they look good for a half. They looked they really looked good great. in the first half. Yeah, uh, James, James Conner gets hurt, although they said it's not going to be a, a, a severe injury, but not a severe injury does not mean he's okay either. So we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, I understand, you know, Renfro fumble, but the problem, the, the problem started well before Renfro's fumbles. I mean, the fact is it never should have been in that position in the first place. Ah, Raider. I don't, I don't trust the Raiders defense. I think that's part Absolutely of it there. And, and I think their offensive line isn't very good. So that that's also a problem. Yeah. Raiders defense is terrible. Um, I mean, Max Crosby, they, they could have ended the game. Max Crosby had Kyler Murray sacked. I mean, he had his full body yep. wrapped around him and just yep, didn't finish escaped. the play. Yep. And, you know, Murray able to escape there. I mean, the, the, just look at the Cardinals' last drive, 18 plays. Like, how that's you know how many opportunities you had to get off the field when the team yep. has an 18-play drive? Uh, there was, a, there was a, a questionable penalty in there on a defensive holding that was pretty big. I think that was on a fourth down. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you give up the touchdown and you give up the two-point. I mean, it's just – a comedy of errors by that defense. And then of course, like you said, the back-to-back fumbles by uh, somebody who, you know, I think Hunter Renfro, you think of him as one of the best ball security receivers 
in the league, but puts the ball on the ground. Luckily, they recover the first one. And yeah. then two plays later, uh, a game-losing fumble when it looked like Vegas was at least on the move to, to set up what would have likely been a long field goal attempt. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Connor got hurt, injured his ankle. Darrell Williams, 8 for 59 and a touchdown. He looked pretty good. You know, Benjamin was getting third downs after the Connor yeah. injury. He was 8 for 31. He also had four targets in the passing game. Williams had three of his own. I mean, and also, I mean, you know, it's because mm-hmm. Kyler threw it 49 times, too. So, as, as would be fitting of a team that's coming back, they ran a hell of a lot more plays than the Raiders. So, the Raiders' defense had to be gassed by the end of the game. Yep. Yeah, again, Raiders' defense was just horrendous down the stretch of this game. And that was a big part, too, of, you know, Derek Carr had a big first half. We saw Devonta Adams get a short touchdown. Uh, but mm-hmm. they just weren't on the field. They weren't on the field that much in the second half. And when they were, it was, it was poor play calling, inability to, to control the clock whatsoever. Um, you know, looking at that, that running back situation in Arizona, it, you know, Rappaport said this morning that it, you know, James Conner has avoided a serious injury, could still miss a game or two in the short mm-hmm. term. That doesn't mean he's just fine going forward. I think they get the Rams uh, next week. You know, if he doesn't play, we saw Williams and Benjamin split or split snaps, I should say, almost completely evenly. And they split carries evenly. They split targets evenly. They split routes run evenly. So picking between those two, if we get to that situation in week three, could be a little dicey. Yeah, small lean for Williams on me for me this one. I feel like it's kind of like the Jacksonville timeshare minus the dynamic uh, dynamic play of each pack. But uh, uh, you know, I think I think they could be useful uh, in, in the right context. Finally, Bears Packers Packers predictably bounced back in Week Two and squashed the Bears. This one was, I mean, in the first quarter was a little dicey. Bears were looked like they were playing out a little bit there. They were getting pressure on uh, on Rodgers. Sacked him a couple of times, got ahead 7-3, and then Green Bay said, eh, okay, shoe fly, and they swat him away. Second half was kind of a drudge, but, uh, I mean, the running game looked phenomenal for the Packers yesterday. Yeah. Aaron Jones did his thing. Uh, yeah, pr- pretty pretty, pretty good performance uh, for the Packers there. I think this was pretty much exactly the game that I expected to see from Green yeah. Bay. Um, I, I felt like there was no chance that they were losing this game, but I also didn't expect them to come out and win like 45 to 10. I, I don't think they have that kind of firepower this year. I to agree. Make that, that type of statement on the offensive end. But yeah, the defense looked good. Other, other than that initial drive where, you know, the Bears always seem to have one drive like that against the Packers. Sometimes it comes early. Sometimes it comes late. Uh, but after that, things tightened up. You know, amazing interception by Jair Alexander on Justin Fields late in that game. The amount of ground that he covered uh, on that one. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a, an overmatch. Bears offense. I, I think this is a little more uh, what we expected. Although David Montgomery, 122 yards on just 15 carries. He had himself uh, a pretty nice night. Uh, but yep. Packers offensively, you know, we knew Aaron Jones was going to be way more involved after having only eight touches last week. He gets 18 touches in this game. He looked fantastic. Like you said, Dylan looked great. Uh, you know, the black mark, I think, on the offense is that that weird fumbled exchange uh, in the second half when they were, they were really rolling at that point um, and, you know, likely would have put up a, a few more points. But this is the Packers team that I think I kind of expect to see this year. It's a team that's that's going to win ugly. They're not going to be keeping their foot on the gas on offense. You know, if, if they get a lead against a bad team, they're just happy to, to kind of alternate Jones and Dylan um, and, and run as much clock as they need. I mean, this is the second half that flew by because both teams were just running the ball seemingly every snap. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's befitting a Packers game where they always run the play clock low. There, was, there yeah. weren't a lot of plays in this one here. The Bears ran 41 plays. 41. Yeah. Fields threw the ball 11 times. Now, some of that's because he was under pressure a lot, so he had to pull the ball down and run. He got sacked three times. 
uh, eight carries for Fields, but yeah, it's also got stuffed at the goal line on what was, in my opinion, game. kind of looked like a touchdown, but was not. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it's you got to give props, I guess, to the Packers' defense, but I, I think this is more about just some some kind of general ineptitude uh, for the Bears. But Sammy Watkins also a little more involved. I know he led he led the Packers receivers in snaps last week, but did almost nothing. Right, uh, had a long fifty-five yarder in this one. That's doing a that's carrying a lot of the water for him uh, in that three for ninety-three. Uh, but we also saw Lazard make his debut and, and get mm-hmm. in the end zone too on a, a really nice play where he kind of acted like he was blocking and then turned it into a quick slant. Yeah, really. Done. No, no pass catcher on either side of the ball had more than four targets in this game. Mm-hmm. I guess in the Bears case, when you only throw it 11 times, 11 times, they were down big too at halftime. It just, uh, the Bears. Ugh. I mean, yeah, I, I had someone ask me if Darnell Mooney is a drop. Was it you? Uh, or, uh, I don't, I don't think, I think we talked about him. Yeah. I think we talked about him not as a drop, but like, I mean, are you even comfortable starting him? At this point, like playing the Bears feels like you're playing like a service academy. Yeah. Cole Komet shut out two weeks in a row now. Yep. I remember I'm old enough to remember when I was talking about him as a nice breakout tight end. And boy, he didn't, he, he's definitely not that. Uh, just what, ugh, just really lacking weapons on offense, the Bears are. Uh, we knew this coming in. We knew this is a bad offensive line. All those things came to fruition. Although Montgomery looked really good. 15 for 122. I mean, he was not the problem there at all. They were able to run the ball. Justin Herbert, I mean, not Justin, Khalil Herbert was four for 38. So he ran the ball well too. Yeah, he did. That That's that's the concern, I think, if you're the Packers, uh, giving up that many rushing yards to a team that clearly uh, had no passing game whatsoever. I mean, you right. kind of knew, you knew what was coming every time and and they still uh, were able to bully that, that Packers defensive line around a little bit. But uh, I still feel like we don't know a ton about Green Bay. I think we're going to know more next week after they play yep. at Tampa. Although again, this could be a Tampa team that that's pretty depleted. So, um, you know, with the Patriots and the giants and the jets and the commanders coming up after that, uh, it, it feels like it might be a while until we, we truly know just what the ceiling is for this Packers team. It might, it might be all the way until the end of October when they play at Buffalo. Yep. Yep. I think you're right about that. So yeah, unfortunately we know what the bear ceiling is. It's not great. Yes, we it's do. Not very it is high. not high. It nope. is not high. I, I put them in uh, the, the conversation for bottom team along with Houston there. I think so. I, I think, you know, obviously they have a win. So, you know, that, that's yeah, in a monsoon. Doing a lot. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, Atlanta's 0 2, Carolina's 0 2. And, and, you know, Carolina's are 0 2. Bengals uh, are 0 2. I didn't want to say it, um, but that okay. is, in fact, the case. They are. Um, I, I, you know, even Carolina to me has shown like a, at least a little more competency or a little more explosion. Uh, the ability to to throw the ball, for example, uh, is something that's pretty big in the modern NFL. So, um, you know, credit to the Bears for finding a way to win in week one, but it, it might be a while until they, they see another one of those. Yeah, Carolina Bears would be an ugly game to watch for sure. Well, by the way, we're in luck. We get Bears-Texans next week. So oh, good. There it oh, is. Good. Can't wait for that. Uh, I'll put that on the rewatch list now, high <laughs> on the list there. Uh, Any other uh, comments before we sign off? Not too much, man. I think going game by game, it's it's tough to miss anything. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm on cloud nine with how Trevor Lawrence looked in that game. I, I think sure. the, I will say the only thing is that a lot of it felt kind of scripted. You know, it was a lot of just kind of you know take the easy throw, take the easy throw. But look, if you can keep doing that, that's fantastic. Um, I guess the only thing would be if we, if we kind of want to rewind all the way back to Thursday. I, I'm sure this has been covered on on some of our pods already. But right, you know, just have any overarching takeaways from from Chiefs Chargers. Uh, you know, I'm just amazed that Herbert was able to make that throw late. Uh, I, I'd be, I, I think we might 
they say he's probably not going to miss a game, but we'll see. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses time. Uh, Mahomes told the truth when he said he's going to spread it, spread it around. Uh, if you, I know you're heavy into Juju this year, you couldn't yeah. have been happy with that. No, no, I was not. Uh, you know, spreading it around has meant more Justin Watson, I think, than we expected. Uh, yep. A little more Noah Gray than we expected. So, yeah, that was not a great showing for Juju. I, I thought he looked good in week one. But, uh, yeah, Mahomes wasn't lying, man. I think we, you know, some of that stuff you kind of just throw out because it, it seems like coach speak or quarterback speak or whatever you want to call it. But right. uh, that's, that's what we've seen so far. And I, I did feel like the Chargers deserved to win that game. I, I think, the, I mean, the pick six was unconscionable. Oh, I just, just an unbelievable play call. Um, I, I do feel like there's some like Zach Taylor, Brandon Staley, uh, you know, kind of same brain going on where sometimes I just question what those guys are, are thinking with some of the talent that they have on mm-hmm. those teams. But yeah, somebody who was back at the chargers in that game, it was frustrating to watch, but I mean, that throw from Mahomes to Watson for the touchdown. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, wild to see JC Jackson get beat by Justin Watson on that play, but an unreal throw from Mahomes to, to uncork sure. that one on the run. I will say uh, Mahomes, Mahomes and the Chiefs got lucky on the uh, overturned INT. I think that was oh, a big game, game-changing call. I think it was the right call, but, yeah, I mean, Mahomes had five five plays that could have been picks, and yep. none of them turned into interceptions. And Herbert had one uh, that, of course, went 100 yards the other way. But that's mm-hmm. how it goes for Mahomes, man. I, it, it feels yeah. like nobody gets those kind of breaks more than Mahomes. Yeah, you make your breaks, right, I guess. but Or you get a little lucky, too, uh, along the way. Uh, so, yeah, they have some things to work on, for sure. Edwards Hilaire looks good. Uh Pacheco is only in early, um, yeah. and he's not in on passing downs. Uh, it's definitely McKinnon that's at the passing downs back. So, yeah, you know, yep. um, I think if you're looking for a second Casey back, it's McKinnon at this point in time. I think so. Yeah. Again, Pacheco, you know, if you look at the week one box score, it looks like he's the guy, but uh, I wouldn't be messing around with that quite yet. Um, only other note for me on this game is that we, we got the Mike Williams bounce back uh, in a minute. Yeah, we run. did. I think that, that could not have gone better with Keenan Allen out. Hundred percent. That touchdown uh, reception was a thing of beauty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, such a good catch. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks everybody for jumping in on the chat. Uh, love seeing everybody active there. Uh, thanks for listening and tuning in. We got uh, Jake and Joe tomorrow with a lot of free agent talks. So tune in for that. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.